0: Yes, and welcome to Swaggy Canuck Podcast. I am your host, Swaggy Canuck, and today we'll be talking about a few swaggy topics. Probably a lot of people watched that uh, uh, Finland-US gold medal game, and uh, yeah, there's a lot lot on Twitter about it. As probably everyone knows, Um, Finland appeared to have won it. But uh ended up being a disallowed goal after they were celebrating. I've never seen that before. Um, celebrating and, you know, I mean, it's it baffles the mind of why they called that goal back. Um, you know, uh, the goaltender interference, like what? Why would it be goaltender interference? No one hit him. I mean, they did hit him, but she was out of the crease. Um, and they took like 12 minutes to... Uh, to look into it and still got it wrong. I mean, you know, looking up the the actual rule about it, and it basically says that if there's an incidental contact with the goalie and there's a goal scored, that it's a goal. I mean, it doesn't really. I mean, there's no gray area there, and of course, it was overturned and and there was no goal, and they had to go back and play. I mean, I couldn't imagine what, how I would react to that. Um, being able to actually go back and, and play another, you know, whatever amount of minutes and, and, you know, try to play hard again. I mean, you have all the elation of winning and uh, thinking all the game's over and then and then all of a sudden it's not and you have to keep playing. And then in the end they lose in a shootout. And don't get me started on the shootout again. Uh, shootout to decide an international tournament, any tournament, is ridiculous in my opinion. I mean, there's there's no basis for, you know, to have a skills competition at the end of a, a major uh, competition, like a gold medal game. I mean, equivalent of, you know, doing a uh, shootout in a Stanley Cup, you know, I don't know how I would react to a, a team winning the Stanley Cup on a shootout. I mean, ridiculous, beyond belief. So, I mean, there's there's a lot about it, and it just doesn't make sense to me. I hope that uh, you know Finland is going to be uh, protesting, lodging a formal protest about it, and I hope the IIHF actually looks deeply into this and fixes it because it's a it's a crime, and there's not a lot of things. Um, you know, I can say to actually make it better for the Finnish women. Uh, they fought hard. They, you know, legitimately beat a really good U.S. team. I mean, the U.S. has won so many gold medals, and it's usually a two-horse race with uh, double, you know, the World Championships. Usually, Canada and the U.S. I mean, there's not usually any other team, any other nation that can even challenge them. So I mean, it's a feat in itself for Finland to actually be able to uh, look competitive. I mean, I watched that game, and Finland looked. I mean, yes, the shots were were quite lopsided. Um, you know, fifty one to you know twenty something shots, and yeah, it's the goalie. <laughs> the goalie was ridiculous. I mean, she she basically won them the gold medal and going to end up having silver uh, which I hope is rectified by the IHF because it's ridiculous so I mean I know a lot of people agree with that uh, Twitter was blowing up yesterday about it uh, and there were a lot of people you know Haley Wiggenheiser tweeted out that that was a goal I mean it was definitely a goal and it just didn't end up being one after 12 minutes of, of sitting I mean how can that pad officiating happen in any tournament, let alone a major world championship tournament, it just baffles the mind. So, I mean, we'll hope that it all get fixed and people would actually. Uh, I know everyone's supporting the women, the Finnish women in this, and there's quite a few nations that are probably doing it. Even the U.S. are probably. They didn't look very happy uh, winning the gold medal, and because they they knew it, they knew they shouldn't have won it. So. Um, yeah, we just gotta hope for the best and we'll we'll get that update probably soon. So it's the end of that. So we'll just hope for that and yeah. Um and gone to our NHL hockey uh, playoffs and uh Washington and Carolina are playing at this minute, actually when I'm recording this podcast. So um it's zero zero. Uh for about fourteen minutes left. And uh Washington's up to zip. So in the series so they're going to look to go 3-zip and uh, take a stranglehold on that. Uh, yesterday's games Tampa Bay and uh, and Columbus I mean Tampa Bay didn't look very good again and you know they had their spurts maybe a bit better than previous games um, but they fell down 2 nothing pretty early and uh, you know fighting back from a 2 nothing deficit is usually not very good to happen and not scoring very much. I mean, the end in the end it was it was lopsided three one, and uh, they're not scoring very much in this in these series. And for a team that's you know that won the Presidents Trophy, that got the highest amount of points you know since since the Detroit Red Wings in two thousand five. I mean, that's a feat, you know, one hundred twenty eight points and having a uh, being down three zip and not even looking like the best team in the NHL by a long shot is, is a little surprising. I mean, it's not a little surprise. It's a lot. I mean, it's, it's shocking. I mean, everyone, I literally, everyone probably thought that Tampa Bay was going to run away with this series. Um, either sweep it or be done in five. I mean, I called it five games. Uh, that's not going to happen. Um, this is looking like a sweep. I mean, Tampa Bay may end up playing hard enough in the next next series or the next, the g- next game to, to maybe make it a bit competitive, but it, it just doesn't look very good. I mean, Tampa Bay hasn't even looked competitive. Vasilevsky hasn't looked good. Um, Columbus is keeping them off the power play, so there's there too. I mean, there's not going to be much happening uh, for Tampa Bay's offense. It doesn't seem like it. Um, Hedman's hurt. Their best defenseman all year and even if he does come back he's not going to play 100 percent I mean that's a guarantee um, Kucherov's coming off a suspension he looked frustrated he's looked frustrated in the first two games that he played um, 128 points for him uh, he does, hasn't looked like that type of player I mean they, bottom line he hasn't looked like their best player uh, Stamkos looks frustrated too um, their depth of scoring has dried up uh, it's just doesn't they look like a shell of the team that won the President's Trophy by a landslide. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, next, you got Pittsburgh down three zip, too. I mean, there's another team that doesn't you wouldn't think would be getting beat three, you know, up or down three nothing in a series. Um, you know, it, it, Tampa Bay, I mean, not Tampa Bay, uh, excuse me, um, Pittsburgh. I mean again looks like a shell of their former selves and uh, Crosby has had his moments in the series but he hasn't been scoring either um you know Malkin's maybe got some um has scored an easier pro you know there's only been three guys that have well maybe five guys that have scored and Cabranson's one of them he's not even a goal scoring defenseman um it just doesn't look good for Pittsburgh either. I mean, the Islanders look like the better team. Uh, it's quite a story there. Tavares not being on the team doesn't seem to do much. It just hasn't seemed to affect them in the way that I thought it would. Um, Barzell has been good. Eberle has four goals in the series, in the playoffs. I mean, it just, it's very interesting of why, you know, there's certain players that have come to play and others have not in the playoffs here. and. It happens every year that way, so we'll see how Pittsburgh does in the next game as well. They play tomorrow, um, and we'll see how that goes. We may have two series series done um, tomorrow, and it's two teams that you wouldn't think would have been uh, swept. So uh, that's why we love the playoffs. And playoffs are are surprised almost every year. I mean, last year we had Vegas as a big story. Um, in winning there, you know, winning so much and, and moving through teams that you wouldn't think um, would have an issue with them. So, uh, Columbus may be that team this year. They're quite deep. I mean, Duchesne is ripping it up. Uh, and, and, you know, and Columbus was probably the worst team for Tampa Bay to get because they actually have a lot of depth. Um, and they're, you know, they're goaltending, but Barack can get hot and, and shut teams down um, they got their g- a good mobile defense uh, Seth Jones leading the way uh, Wierenski again I mean they're a great they're a great puck moving team and great defensively um, Tortorella's got him playing good defense so I mean being a Canucks fan I hate to say it, but Tortorella is actually looking like a good coach and he didn't look that way here so and uh, everyone's like I hope that everyone doesn't think oh we should not let him go I think it was the best decision to let him go he was not fitting in here so I mean he seems to be fitting in in Columbus as their head coach so that's just how it goes Um, yeah so those series are going tomorrow Uh, today we have Washington and uh, Carolina and they're uh, they're playing and you got uh, Toronto and Boston again Toronto could be going up Uh, Three or going up two one in that series, or I mean they're tied one one. So uh, that's a pretty tight one. Um, I if I would predict, I would say probably going to be maybe Toronto winning today. So we'll see how that is. Um, Yeah. Uh, The next next uh, thing we'll we'll talk about is that is teams changing their their style in the playoffs, and again going back to Tampa Bay. uh, Tampa has seem to have changed how they play. I mean, it just, it makes no sense and it happens every year. Uh, coaches seem to think, oh, we got a we line match. We got to change their style of play. We got to get more gritty. How did you get 128 points in the regular season? By playing fast, by playing with speed and with skill. It doesn't look like they're doing that in the playoffs. It looks like that they're trying to be a defensive team like Columbus. And I mean, that's not working out. If you score the most goals in the league and have the most points in the league by a lot play the same way. I mean, it just makes no sense why the coaches can't just keep playing the same. I mean, I know the the officiating kind of goes downhill. They don't call the same amount of penalties, so they're not getting the same amount of power plays. And the power play has driven their offense. So that could be the fa- factor in it. I mean, in the end, it's... You can't change how you play. I mean, it's happened... Multiple times, even in our in the Canucks' history, I mean, you saw Vigneault change how he play, how he coached in the playoffs. And usually, uh, the other coach out coached him. I mean, we had met him multiple times where Quenville, whenever we played Chicago, he out coached Vigneault. And Dacharn had the same thing in uh, the Calgary series. Last time we were in the playoffs with Bob Hartley. I mean, Hartley basically out coached him. So I mean, it just. Um, you can't change how you coach, how you play, um, just for the playoffs. Um, play the same way, and you should be successful. Vegas did the – I mean, that's a prime example. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, they play the same way in the regular season and in the playoffs. Why do you think they were so successful with their forecheck and their speed, and they're looking like they're doing the same thing in San Jose, against San Jose, and San Jose can't seem to uh, – be able to deal with it so i mean it's just bottom line you should just stay within your system stay within the style that you play and it should be okay so i mean it doesn't always happen that way to be able to stay the same but in the end you should be able to uh keep the same style throughout the playoffs as you played in the regular season i mean you played all year so i mean it shouldn't be so hard but uh, I don't play the game, so I mean, in the end, um, they only know why they do it, and uh, yeah, so that's how it how it goes, I guess. Uh, next thing we'll, is in the Canucks, we're gonna talk about uh, some coaching changes that could happen in the off season. I mean, in my some of my uh, suggestions, maybe opinions, um, you know, Alex Burrows, uh, he he's coaching in uh, Laval. Um, the Val Rocket in the Montreal's uh, farm system. So um, he's in the coaching realm, and he's—I he, mean, it he was first year as assistant coach. Um, maybe not coming in this coming year, but he should be on the radar for the Canucks. I mean, great mentor would be for the younger guys. Uh, he knows how it, what it takes to make the NHL, the hard work that uh, is required to do it. Um, he has many stories on, uh, you know, playing with elite players, playing with grinders. I'm sure he can he can help a lot of the young guys with with their development. So I mean, it in the end, it it would be a great hire for the Canucks to even look into, um, gauge it because he is here for quite a few years. Uh, I know he has a young family and he probably wants to stay in Montreal because that is his home. And uh, so, I mean, that may not happen, but it's a great, a great um, thing to look into because he'd be an awesome guy to be have around uh, the locker room and for the young guys, especially. Another guy um, that I'm, I'm, I think, would be a great, a great addition to the to the front office, not the coaching staff, is Ralph Kruger. Um, Ralph Kruger just got uh, he just stepped down at his club in Europe and uh, he's looking for a job. Um, Reddy seemed to say that you know, in not so many words he doesn't want to go back to Edmonton. Uh, he's kind of done with it there. He said thank you to the fans and he'll always have, always have a special place in his heart but looking like he doesn't want to go there. Um, he'd be a great addition to the front office as president, um, probably, he says he wants to have a president's job. Um, be a great guy to have in the front office um, to help Benning out um, another guy that I think would be a great hire is um, try to pull Lawrence Gilman away from Toronto um, I don't know how many co- how many years on his contract is still left there um, but I think he'd be a great uh, great guy to actually look into uh, Lauren Henning I know he got fired um, and got kind of cleaned out in the last change um, may not be able to get him back but he was a great guy up here um, but again that's probably a long shot and uh, is another guy is Ken Holland uh, we don't know if he's gonna be leaving Detroit but I think he would be a guy you want to really look into he kind of looked over the whole thing with uh, with Detroit um, and their building of their dynasty years and their great drafting years he didn't pick uh, Hughes in the last draft. He picked Filip Zadina. I mean, not a bad pick, and in, in the fact that you know he's going to be in, probably an elite goal scorer. So, I mean, not necessarily a bad pick. But I, you know, if I was Holland, I would still pick Quinn Hughes. I mean, uh, Detroit does need more offensive defensemen, and Hughes would have fit the bill perfectly. Um, so, I mean. If he was, if he is uh, part of the Canucks front office. Uh, hope that he is still having that same knack for drafting as he did in Detroit. You, so, um, hopefully, we do look into the getting a front office guy that can help Benning out because you know he has some issues with um, some some guys that he's missed in the last few drafts. Um, you know, Matthew Kachuk is a huge one in my opinion. Um, don't get me started with Ole Levy. I mean I've gotten to a little bit of a Twitter battle with a few guys uh, in the last couple of days with um, if he was if he should be considered a bust already I mean I don't think so I mean yes he's on his D plus four year uh, but you gotta kinda take away the last year away from his development because of his injury uh, his knee injury you can't hold that against him just because he got hurt um, and the fact that he he still may become a top four defenseman. I mean, there's not many defensemen that have, have top, you know, there's not any defensemen that really come to mind that have been able to come back and actually become a top four defenseman uh, when not starting his NHL career until his pl- D-draft pl- plus four a year. So, I mean, it's, you know, in the end, yeah, it's very high odds that he won't become a top four and being a top five pick in the draft he should be further along you know you look at guys like Charlie McAvoy, Sergeyev um, those two guys are already top four defensemen on their respective teams Um, so I mean he is behind the eight ball in his development but those two guys didn't have injury problems Um, and they were able to step in and become impact defensemen Yulavich could still become that. He's not going to be a flashy defenseman. I mean, everyone forgets this. He's not going to be flashy. Uh, he's going to be a solid uh, puck mover that's going to be, you know, well paired with a guy like Quinn Hughes, um, a guy like Stetcher You know, guys that are going to be, you know, freed up to be more offensive, and he can kind of focus on just being that guy that moves the puck, uh, crisply out of the zone, skated out. Uh, he's going to be a solid Sammy Sallow, um, Mark Edward Vlasic type defenseman. And look at their careers. Vlasic is one of the is a top pairing defenseman, always paired with either Brent Burns or Eric Carlson. So I mean, he's a top four defenseman. Um, not flashy by any means. I mean, he does score a few goals, but you don't think of him as a guy like like a Quinn Hughes, like uh, Brent Burns. You know, you're not going to think of him in that vein, but. He is a solid NHL defenseman in a top four role. I mean, your levy could still become that. Uh, let's reserve judgment. I mean, you can't think that he's going to be a bust already. I mean, come on. I mean, you've got to still give him the benefit of the doubt, I think. Uh, if this coming year he doesn't play a good amount of games and he doesn't look like he's come, you know, come a ways in his development, then you can start thinking about Maybe he won't become what we think she should be become in the top five as a top five pick. Um, I hope he does become something, uh, but we will see. I mean, training camp is coming, you know, coming up the uh, next few months, and he's training hard. I mean, his agent did say that he's going to be ready, so we will definitely see him in. I hope every position possible and put in a position to succeed. I hope he does start in the NHL, in my opinion, he should, uh, but he's gonna have to work for that. He can't just be given a spot. Um, if he has to start in the AHL, that may not be the best for him because the fact is that we Green seems to keep guys down there um, a little bit too long, That I, in my opinion, a little bit too long sometimes. I mean, it took a long time uh, for, you know, Darlene didn't even get a sniff up here. Um, But, I mean, there are rumors that he wasn't committed to the defensive game. But we have already a guy up here like Goldobin. He was up here, not committed to the defensive game, but he still played some games. Um, I hope that Yulevi doesn't have a short leash and he's able to kind of work his way through some of his stuff. I mean, from all accounts, he's a solid puck-moving defenseman, doesn't make mistakes, just back there doing his job. If he becomes that type of defenseman, like a Vlasic, totally happy with it because uh, in the end you need defensemen like that that you don't have to worry about um, that's going to be able to be paired with a guy like Hughes and Hughes can just do his thing and you'll have to be back there making sure Puck get, gets to him, uh, gets to other forwards and that he is a solid glue defenseman like a Sammy Sallow because Sallow or Tanev um, great guy to be back there Um, you know we all know Jet Jet, Wu will probably be the guy with Hughes um, but uh, he's probably a few years away on that Uh, I'll delve more into the prospects in a future podcast I'll probably dedicate a whole episode on our our, uh, upcoming prospects that are coming in as well as a blog um, that that I'll kind of detail through that Um, and we'll be I'll make some swaggy comments on it so it's a, it's gonna be a great time because okay, it's an exciting time to be a Canuck fan in my opinion because uh, they are becoming a swaggy team if you want to say that. Uh, they are becoming a great young, fast, exciting um, dynamic team uh, led by Elias Petterson uh, and and Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes, all great foundations to to create a team that's going to be fun to watch for fans to come out and watch um, whoever we're going to add this year uh, in the draft I don't think Benny should move up uh, it, it's just too risky to try to create the buzz that he seems to want to create in the draft uh, it shouldn't be something you should go for just to make a splash just because you're hosting the draft it's not worth it. Stay the course. The Canucks are, are almost there. I mean, next year, I've tweeted about it a lot. Playoffs 2020. I mean, it's it's very possible, especially with the, how the West was this year. I mean, we may see some some jumps with teams. You know, like LA's probably not going to be as bad as last year. Uh, San Jose's on the downturn. I mean, you're going to have guys that, You know Thornton will probably, I hope, retired. Uh, You know, uh, Brent Burns is getting up there in age. Carlson's probably not going to be there. Hopefully, he's with us. (laughs) That uh, that'd be a swaggy thing to happen. So, uh, it's you know Carlson would be a great addition as well, Um, but he probably won't be in San Jose. So I mean, and Anaheim may get better, may not. I think they're on their they've got to set on a rebuild. I think. You move on from Getzlaff and Perry because they're not the team anymore. I mean, they're getting older and uh, they're on, I think, borrowed time in the fact that you've got to start looking elsewhere. So, I mean, Anaheim's probably going to be on that low end again. Uh, you look at teams like, you know, the Canucks are there. I mean, they competed almost to the end of the season uh, with playoff teams. I mean, yes. And I think most of the playoff teams were still fighting for stuff. So, I mean, it's it's not, conceiv- not inconceivable to say that it's, Canucks are going to make the playoffs next year. And bold prediction, I think they will. Um, they may not go far. I think their cap is probably the... You know, they may have a first-round exit. Uh, but it'd be great for them to get in that position. And who knows, you get into the playoffs and... You go. I mean, it's just the way the Canucks are built, their style, and if they add some key free agents in the offseason here, here, uh, which is a very very important off for Jim Benning, you, he's got to make the right decisions, uh, some swaggy decisions, <laughs> um, because if they're not swaggy, they're not going to work. Um, you can't you can't be throwing a lot of money um, into large contracts, four or five year contracts Um, especially with Eric Carlson. If you're gonna go for Eric Carlson uh, don't throw a ten year contract, don't throw a seven year contract I'd say four or five max Um, because you don't want to cash strap your team and have problems when you get to the point where you have to sign Elias Pedersen. We have to to already sign Brock Besser Horvat's contract is not much longer here. Uh, you're going to have to pay him a lot more than the six if he keeps on his upward trend, um, which is a great segue here. I'll talk about his report card uh, that I posted on the blog, on my blog, uh, the Swaggy Canuck blog, the, uh, last week. Um, A-plus. having great. He got an A-plus from me. Um, you know, uh, Clay gave him an uh, A. Most people are giving him an A. I don't, I disagree. A plus because he carried this team. He increased his point totals again. Took a monster amount of faceoffs. 2018, um, and that's a you know a ridiculous amount of faceoffs. I mean, you break that down over an 82 game schedule, and he played all 82. Um, that is a lot of faceoffs to take in a game. And he excelled I mean he went through a couple droughts not huge droughts mind you but he still put up 61 points people like 61 points Uh, and on a team that he didn't have many wingers that he seemed to be able to gain chemistry with especially offensive wingers now you play with Tyler Mott Uh, you play with Louis Erickson and Louis Erickson does not put up points he's not an offensive driver I mean Horvat was driving the offense. You look at the stats. He had the most one of the most um grade A scoring chances that he, he created himself. But no one could finish. Uh Goldobin I uh, had you know had his time with Horvat too. Didn't seem to be able to click with him. He clicked with Elias Patterson sometimes, um but didn't seem to do much with Horvat. So Horvat never really got anyone until Tanner Pearson and Pearson seemed to have fit in quite well with him and uh, it looked like he's got some chemistry. I think he's probably going to be part of that line next year and uh, he's probably going to be um, most of the year with him. So it's it's looking good. Um, I think Benning's got to maybe get him another winger. Uh, Artemi Panarin, which looks like he's rumored to more go for... Florida or the Rangers, but if Columbus wins the cup, <laughs> all bets are off. I mean, Columbus is probably going to try to get him signed. Um, so, I mean, you can't you can't rule that out, and uh, that he's not just going to return to Columbus. And uh, that's that's a possibility. So, uh, another guy that I think would be a great guy to have with them is Jordan Everly, Again, performing in the playoffs, uh, Islanders may want to sign him. After this, if he continues on this string of uh, offensive hockey that he's been doing here, Uh, looking great doing it too, like that highlight that he did—you know, protecting the puck and roofing it—I mean, that's that's a skilled play. Um, And Eberle hasn't looked always consistent doing being an offensive uh, player, but he's a skilled guy and he has proven that he can score in this league. Um, again not a lot of money he's got he's got to be signed to a reasonable amount and uh, you know that may work too uh, guys like you know Jeff Skinner in Buffalo I mean I don't know if he's going to re-sign with that team um, he'd be a great addition to Don Horvath's line uh, Horvath's got to get a consistent offensive winger that can finish some of the chances that he generates and uh, We'll see what happens in the off season. I'll go through a few again. Another podcast about that, where we look into what free agents the Canucks should be looking at and what the swaggy picks are and what the not swaggy picks are. That is about it for this podcast, guys. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, it's my first one. Uh, you know, uh, let's let's continue. discussion about it over Twitter I mean I've enjoyed our interaction so far uh, throughout the my first two weeks in the Twitter universe Uh, it's been a great great time I I've met some great people already um, in the Canuck world and we're all great fans we're all great sports Um, we get passionate we look in opinions and I'm happy to debate with anyone Um, about anything so I mean if you guys want to create uh, buzz let's do it um, I'm happy to also have anyone on my show if you want I uh, just uh, you know DM me and we'll, we'll look into it I'd love to have be talking to you guys uh, on discuss the Canucks uh, debate it'd be great and uh, you know everyone's welcome in this in the swaggy Canuck verse so and uh, That's about it, and we'll see you next time. Everyone stay swaggy.